Hello and welcome to ADHD Fest, your ADHD podcast with me, Tara Pratt. And I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely freezing. I'm so cold. I'm sat here in my coat still because I won't turn the heating on because I'm the only person in the house at the moment. It's just too cold. I'm cold and I'm the type of person that is cold in summer. I feel like that's a thing. Like it's definitely a thing that those who are neurodivergent feel the cold more or feel the change in temperature more. Don't quote me or at me because I don't know how factual that is. But for me, 100%, I feel the cold so much more and I can't stand it and I can't think properly. So let's hope today goes well. How are you anyway? Did you enjoy last week's podcast? I'm definitely going to do a Q&A soon. So keep those questions coming over for me. I I've ended up just answering people's questions in text because I can't stand to make them wait. And now I'm going to have to go back through and actually answer them on here as well so other people can listen to them and maybe get something from it. Just a little reminder there to go find me and send me whatever questions you've got, whether it's about diagnosis. I, the only thing is I am UK specific. I'm definitely not an expert. I can only tell you my experience, but I feel like I've looked at it in depth in the UK in particular. Today's podcast is going to be about the seven different types of rest. Yes, the seven. Bet you didn't know that because I didn't know either. I'm going to basically be stealing all of this information from a lady called Dr. Jessie Metcalf. And I'll put her in the show notes below so you can find her. I found her on TikTok. And I just found what she was saying really resonated with me. Also, I'd never heard it before. And I'm hard pushed to have not heard something before. I'm very into self-development. I'm very into improving myself. I'm very into strategies, psychology and all that. There's not much I haven't heard of. So this was a new concept, but it just really made sense to me. And I just wanted to highlight it here on the podcast today. I think I'm going to name the podcast, Are You Resting Wrong? Because I feel like I 100% have rested wrong completely over the years. Do you ever get so tired and you think, I just need to lay down? And you lay down and all you do the whole time is think of things you should be doing. So then for me, I try to distract myself with something like scrolling. And I have tried to replace that recently with something more healthy, crochet or knitting. But generally I'm scrolling for hours and hours and then I just feel more tired at the end than I did at the start. And sometimes I am good and I close my eyes and I have a nap and it does help, but still, I'm still so tired. So I think it is to do with this concept that Dr. Jessie Metcalf was talking about. So there's actually seven types of rest that she talks about. I'm gonna list them now. They are mental rest spiritual rest, sensory rest, social, emotional, creative, and physical. Most people focus on physical rest. We're slowly getting into spiritual in the mainstream, but not really. And maybe creative if you're lucky and have the time to like try hobbies and whatever. And that's why you still feel so tired, even after having a nap or a sleep, because sometimes it's not physical rest that we need. I know myself in particular, I have emotional hangovers or no, sorry, not emotional hangovers. I mean, we can all get those, but what I meant to say was social hangovers. I can spend the day with a friend, not have one drink apart from tea and laugh and have fun and it'll be absolutely great. And I am wiped out when I get home or the next day. Like I just feel so tired, so drained. Um, it was actually Peter who started saying to me, you've got a bit of a social hangover. And I was like, I think I do. It doesn't matter 
matter how much I love the friend, how much I've loved the day, I'm just not the type of person that gets energized by that afterwards. I'm the type of person that needs quiet time in a dark room. And usually what I do for that is physical rest and it actually does not help in any way. So I was glad to find this post to find some strategies for social rest. One of the things when we've got ADHD, rest can be so difficult. For one, it's well known that you, as a side effect of ADHD, you can have insomnia and we really struggle with even basic physical rest. Especially if you're on medications, they can also cause insomnia. I've been quite lucky over the years I'm a night owl and I stay up late but once I do decide to go to sleep I'm out like a light but I know so many people try so hard to sleep well and it just doesn't happen it's really hard to switch the thoughts off I think even when we're sitting down to rest watch a tv program or something I know personally it is hard to stop my thoughts from wandering thinking about problems that I've got in the day that maybe I can come up with a solution with now I'm sat here and then also things will pop into my head that I've forgotten to do that I need to do I can not relax when I'm sitting down physically. I have to be asleep for me to relax. So when I'm sat down, it's the whole ADHD paralysis thing, isn't it really? You sit down, your intention is to rest just for five, 10 minutes, half an hour, whatever. And the whole time you just spend it thinking, I should be doing X, I should be doing Y. You always should be doing something that is seemingly more important than resting. The reality we all know logically is rest is very important. And in order to do all those things you want to do you do need rest in between but our brains just don't seem to want to listen do they executive functioning problems are what adds to that feeling of should we should be doing something because even minor things feel important we have a real hard time prioritizing and we're also told a lot by society what we should be doing but there's a lot of shoulds which is the most important should they all feel important. The truth is they're not. It's our executive functioning. There's a great quote that Tony Robbins talks about. He's one of my favorite people to follow, Tony Robbins. And he said, all these shoulds, you end up shoulding all over yourself. It's not about what you should be doing. It's about prioritizing. It's about working out what matters to you. It's not about what matters to society. It's not about what matters to your partner. It's not about what matters to your parents. It's about what matters to you. And we can have a real tough time weeding out what matters to us over what matters to someone else that we feel obligated to do. And that ties in a lot to the RSD as well. You could talk about that for hours. The shoulds are a real problem for us. And also distraction. So we can try to physically rest, but we're distracted by other things. Maybe when you go to your bedroom, you're like me and you've got 75 books by the side of the bed that you mean to read and you think oh, I could go to sleep now, but I really, I've been wanting to read that book for ages and I really should read it. And, and then you get totally distracted and get onto something else. So that is why we find it particularly difficult as neurodiverse people. Let's go deeper into the types of rest in detail. I am taking this all from Dr. Jesse Metcalf's TikTok, and I'll try and actually link the actual video that I'm talking about. But first of all, mental rest. Mental rest is needed when the mind is cluttered and overthinking a lot, which is generally me at all times. Spiritual rest is needed when your inner peace is wavering and hope is lost. So when you're not feeling aligned, when you're losing faith, 
that you can do something or faith that the universe is on your side. We can relate it to the law of attraction and we can say when we we think, it just doesn't work, it doesn't work, I've got to be more real. That's when you need spiritual rest. Emotional rest is needed when we hold space for others and for ourselves. So when we've been agony ant to our best friend, that's one of my favourite things to do, by the way, be agony ant for someone else and listen to their problems and try and make them feel better or if I don't have any solutions or if I do have solutions, help them. And that's what I love to do but it's really draining and also obviously when you've had big emotions both of those that's when you need emotional rest social rest is needed when she says here that they're needed when relationships need evaluating to be honest i need social rest even when i love the relationship Maybe I need to evaluate how I interact in the relationship. Like, am I people pleasing? Am I masking a bit? Maybe I need to look at that. But yes, we need to reevaluate the toxic relationships or the ones that aren't serving us or the ones that we just feel obligated to keep going. But I also want to add in my own little bit there to say even the good ones, that's when we might need social rest, just when we've spent an intense period of time with someone. Next is sensory rest, and that's needed when we are overstimulated. I'm sure as a person with ADHD, or even if you suspect you've got ADHD, you have experienced overstimulation. You feel overloaded, you feel overwhelmed. It's that point when the telly's on in the background and someone's trying to speak to you and also you're feeling uncomfortable because your pants are a bit tight or you know the feeling. It's just like everything is irritating and it's too much and you don't know which to jump on first. And I'm sorry if that was triggering or stressful, me just describing that situation I've wound myself up saying it. We all know that feeling of overstimulation. That's when we need sensory rest. Then there's creative rest and that's needed when we haven't been able to explore beauty and wonder. So we all need that time to play, right? We all know when we've been work, 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 life admin, dealing with problems, putting out fires and you haven't had that time to just enjoy life, enjoy nature, enjoy creation, painting a picture, doing a hobby, just having time to play. We all need it, even as adults, and that's creative rest. And then the last one is physical rest, which we're most familiar with, and that's needed when your body is tired, you've had a lack of sleep, and you are overworking. Particularly, I think it relates to ADHD when we've had like hyper-focus on something and we've just absolutely worked ourselves to the bone. That's when we need our physical rest. Now that we know what they are, how to identify them when we need them, let's go into the little tips that she shares on what to do and how to achieve them. So mental rest, when your mind's cluttered and you're overthinking, write down your to-dos. Now, I know lists do not work often for ADHDers, but I still think this tip is valid. It's not about writing down your to-dos and then doing them and ticking them off the list nicely because that never works for me. I lose the list. But just listing them all out, getting them out of your brain and onto paper helps so much just to relieve that stress and take the mental weight. You know it is written down somewhere. What I do that is even better is I write down a to-do list or I get all the things I'm worrying about out of my head and onto paper and then I take a photo of it and I've got a little WhatsApp group with my husband that he never reads because I've told him, you don't need to bother reading this. It's just so I've got somewhere and know straight away I can find it and it's not lost in my photo album. I take a photo of it and I send it to that little group. I think it's got, I've called it self-development 
and whatever I've got running around my brain, I get it on paper, take a picture of it and send it to that group. And then even if I never look at at it again, I know where it is. I don't need to hold all those things in my brain anymore. So then it says create a shutdown ritual. So boundaries and separate your work and home life. So if you're one of those people that is working from home, I know a lot of people are now. Even if you're working for a company, a lot of people are working from home. It really does help to separate work and home life. I am terrible at this I have to say so it's going to be one of the things I'm working on because I like to work from bed it's just my favorite place to work to work it's where I feel most creative especially at the moment because it's so cold it's the warmest place to be what I try to do after reading this is we do we're lucky enough to have a spare room none of our family lives nearby so we bought the house knowing that someone would always be staying here and decided to work from that bed instead so when I finish work there's a definite boundary in line where I move out of that room I can leave all of my work in there and then I go to my bed that is my restful place just creating that solid line then take a break from problem solving and decision fatigue we're surrounded by decisions all the time because we have problems with transitions and tasks simple tasks to other people like cooking a meal or loading the dishwasher we break down into a million steps in our head and it feels overwhelming that definitely makes us feel like we have so many decisions to make just in that one small task just take a break from that read a magazine do something different and then come back to it later when you've had that mental rest so there are tips for mental rest next we've got spiritual rest what she does suggest when your inner peace is wavering and hope is lost is meditation which is a massive struggle i would love to be able to do it i've been told so many times it would help me and i'm sure it would if I could do it. I've tried and tried and tried. Guided meditation does work a little bit better for me, but she suggests meditation. What I suggest for you, if you do struggle like I do, is EFT, which is like an active meditation. You can follow along on YouTube, just put in EFT for relaxation or whatever. You can do it for everything, but I really love Tap with Brad. He's cheesy, he's American, but he's good. You just tap along and you say statements. And honestly, it's the closest thing I feel to meditation. My mind doesn't wander. It keeps me focused and it just releases all those things. Well, it's called emotional freedom technique. So it's releasing emotions. So it's really great for spiritual rest. Another one is journaling, so writing down your feelings, prayer, if that's for you, saying affirmations, I like to do those in the car, and then it says participate in faith-based activities. So this doesn't have to be religion, if you're religious, great, get down to church, go and do some faith-based activities, or wherever you worship. For me, I'm not religious in any way, so my faith-based activity would be listening to a spiritual podcast on the law of attraction it would be writing a gratitude list making a vision board speaking out loud my vision or sitting and visualizing it that would be my faith-based activity and then it says to connect with the universe and nature so this could be going for a beautiful walk what else could you do you could go and feed the ducks if you're not a walker feeding the ducks when I was little is one of my best memories and we just don't really do it as adults until we have children and I feel like that's that's when I first did it again as an adult was after I had Theo I took him down to feed the ducks and I was thinking why do we not do this more often so yeah just something like that like going to a zoo going to an aquarium you can do it indoors it doesn't have to be outdoors in this freezing cold it'd be great to get outdoors and connect um you could even watch a documentary if you aren't able to get out and about you could watch a documentary on nature and just feel the wonder of 
our earth and our universe so that's spiritual rest then emotional rest so that's when we hold space for others and we've had big emotions ourselves it says spend time with and chat with people you can be you around we all have those few people some of us have lots of people some of us have a few but the people you don't have to mask in front of you can be yourself I mean for me it's 100% my husband Peter he knows me warts and all a therapist can be great if you don't have anyone in your personal life or a counsellor where you don't feel judged they're impartial and neutral and you don't have to put on any airs and graces maybe you've got a sister or a brother a friend spend time with those people that you can just be yourself completely she also says pay attention to your emotions so sometimes when we're feeling those big emotions we tend to push them away and not want to feel them and just be like come on no use moping like let's get out of this and i am an advocate for not moping for too long like feel you don't want to get in that down downward spiral too much but at the same time you do need to feel your feelings pay attention to them what are they trying to tell you where do you feel it in your body and our emotions are good they're there for a reason they're for our survival they point us in the right direction feel them don't ignore them don't make them wrong it's okay it's natural it's human to feel emotions even the negative ones really feel them thank them for pointing you in the right direction acknowledge that that is how you feel it doesn't mean it has to dictate what you do it's just how you feel and then you can make a decision from there. In that way, you can also build some self-compassion and that's your emotional rest. Social rest, when relationships need evaluating the toxic ones and also maybe the way you relate to the good ones. It says, spend more time with people who give you energy. There's not a lot of people that I can meet in real life that give me energy and it's not that they're not great and I don't love them I'm very excited to see them that gives me energy looking forward to seeing them definitely gives me energy more what gives me energy is maybe the activities we do so I have a friend Steph who is such a lovely girl and we met in the Royal Ballet years ago in another lifetime we were in the boarding school in London the Royal Ballet School together and then years later fate brought us back together in Leeds neither of us are from Leeds but we both live here now and obviously we're very into theatre and stuff so we have a regular date where we go for dinner have a chat and then we go to the theatre and watch a show together usually a musical and that gives me energy so it's nice I see her we have our little social interaction and chat and catch up but it's for a finite amount of time usually about an hour and then we go we sit in silence next to each other and watch a show which really fills my cup and fills my energy so that's what gives me energy rather than the person I'm meeting and also what gives me energy it doesn't necessarily have to be a person that you know in real life you can listen to a podcast someone who gives me energy is Francesca Amber I've mentioned her a lot she's got the law of attraction change my life podcast listening to her massively gives me energy and I don't have to give anything back at all you know it's a one-way street she's just telling me things inspiring things and I'm just listening and that really gives me social energy and it says spend less time with people who steal your energy I've spent spoken about this before on an earlier podcast about energy drain and avoiding things that push you towards burnout there is nothing better you can do for yourself than to reevaluate your relationships work out who is toxic work out who is draining and you don't have to completely remove them from your lives but be aware of it and just lower that interaction with them it's just not worth it the people please you can still be friends with people you don't have to offend them but if you're looking at your life and you're like actually this person I've been friends with since I was a kid is actually quite draining like as adults I probably wouldn't have picked her as a friend but I love her because we've 
been friends for like 30 years. You don't want to get rid of her. You don't want to offend her. She's done nothing wrong. She just doesn't fit with you. It doesn't align and it drains your energy. And you might be speaking to her three times a week. And on those days, it's draining your energy. You can take a step back from that. You can make it instead of three times a week phone call, once a month meet up for lunch and it's a finite amount of time and you say I've got from 12 till 2 and you can catch up and you can keep her in your life it doesn't have to be so draining on a regular basis and then if there's anyone that's really really toxic and you can get rid do get rid you don't owe anyone an explanation if they're toxic if they're abusive if they're draining your energy you don't even have to explain why just cut them off okay if you have introverted tendencies block out time to be alone i am like an introvert extrovert that's another thing i feel like is an adhd thing so if that's you please do share i'm trying to collect data side note there's not enough data out there on adults with adhd particularly adult women with adhd honestly think the experts don't know they they're not ready for this avalanche of women that are now discovering that they've had adhd their whole lives and i feel like it's up to us to work out what are the common behaviors we have we know what the the common issue is with dopamine etc etc we know the medical evaluation of it but we don't actually know a lot of day-to-day behaviors i've got a group of women shout out to the book club bitches adhders we speak a lot and i'm finding it so interesting there's a lot of things that I didn't realize were ADHD I knew they played into it but we are textbook doing the exact same behaviors particularly in opening businesses getting them to a certain stage where they're successful and then as soon as they're successful and going we drop them we're not interested we're on to the next thing and I knew that was related to ADHD but I didn't think it was so specific it was so textbook and that we are there's a big group of us that are doing the exact same thing and I feel like I'm trying to collect data now on those anecdotal things that we all seem to do. I thought it was my personality. It's not. It's ADHD. And then once we can collect that data together, we can work out why. Obviously, it's a dopamine thing, but why? what has contributed to that? Is it RSD? Does it feel like it's too much pressure? And as soon as we get a bit of success, people are relying on us. And what if they reject us? Or is it just executive function? Or is it that it's not novel anymore? I don't know. Anyway, I digress. I'm onto a completely different subject here and I've totally lost my place. (laughs) Where was I? Oh, I was on social rest and blocking out time to be on your own. I need a lot of time alone. And I find if I don't schedule the time to be alone, I just end up taking it. And it feels icky to me because I feel like my husband and my kids might feel like it's them and I don't want to be around them or you know my friends I just end up not texting people at all I don't look at my phone I just need that time to be completely alone even mentally if I block it out I can kind of know beforehand I'll look at my diary and I'll be like right I've got all these social things and then I'm going to block out this time to be alone so I'll make sure that everyone feels loved I've spent my time with them and then I make sure that my husband my kids well not my kids really because Theo in particular he's only five so I don't explain it to him I just make sure I do it after he's in bed but my husband I make sure to tell him in advance so he's not expecting for us to have some time together what day are you he likes to watch sports I'm like what day are you doing your sports he's got his own podcast so I'm like I could really do with just a bit of alone time to do some like knitting and watch a bit of Netflix and zone out and usually he's like great I'll do xyz on this night and then we're both free the next night 
to spend some time together. So scheduling in really does help. Oh, that's what I was saying. Are we all introverted extroverts? Because I definitely am in certain situations. I mean, there's so many people, if I said I was an introvert, they would call me an out and out liar. I seem so confident in a lot of situations, but I would count myself as an introvert because I just need alone time. And I do get social anxiety quite a lot. Okay, we're on to sensory rest. Needed when you are overstimulated. So number one is the one I find the hardest, and I'm pretty sure you will too, but we all know we need to do it. Take a break from social media and electronics. Ah, I find that so hard. I just love social media. And now that TikTok is here, it's like an ADHDer's dream, isn't it? Like so much information, you're learning so many things, you're so entertained all at once. As much as I love them, I do feel after a long time doing them, I feel like crap. You enjoy it, you want to do it, but for some reason it just makes us feel like crap. I don't know whether it's, it definitely is the overstimulation. We have to be stricter and take a break. And I have found replacing it with something else like crochet has really helped me. I find it much easier than just trying to stop and do nothing or try and do something that's slower, a bit more boring. Something that I can fully absorb myself in, like a hobby like crochet intricate detailed stuff has helped me take a break from social media. Turn off notifications, sounds and visuals. I suppose that's on your electronic devices and and when you eat, just eat. And I find that so funny that that's one of the tips because I don't know about you, but when I am eating, I always need to be doing something else. It's usually scrolling or it's watching telly um, or chatting to Pete, my husband. I always have to, I can't just eat. I'm so bored if I'm just sitting there eating. So I'm going to give that a try. I don't know whether I can do it. Usually when I have sensory overload, I just go and sit in a dark room, close my eyes for a bit, or I end up listening to a podcast. I probably should. I tell you what is good, listening to Calm, the Calm app, or I suppose you could just YouTube calming sounds and not look at the visuals. And I know that's cheating because you are still doing something. We do have ADHD, so I'm gonna give us a pass. I think sound is really good for switching off. So you've got sensory overload. We don't want those abruptive, repetitive sounds. We just want something soft. So I like to listen on the Calm app. They have the brown noise or they have fire crackling. I really like the fire crackling one or waves, but like calm waves. So they're your sensory rest ideas. Then we've got two more to go. Creative rest, needed when we haven't been able to explore beauty and wonder. For natural, it says take in a sunrise or sunset. I'm super lucky from my bedroom, I can actually see the sunset and it's so beautiful. And it is like I would really recommend if you can't see it from where you are, I would try your best at least once in the next year to wake up early and see a sunrise or go out and find somewhere pretty to watch a sunset. There's just something magical about it. It's so beautiful. It's just a natural, random thing. It really is inspiring. Go for a walk in nature. Look up at a tree and swim in the ocean. Now, those are two things that I often daydream about doing, just taking a swim in a really nice lake or ocean, and I never do it because sensory, it's just too much for me. I just can't take, again, the cold. So I will probably never do that. But if you would like to do it, it's a good idea. Then she's got the human created stuff. This is the stuff I like. Visit a museum or a festival. I love festivals, not music festivals. I don't like being crushed and in a field and everyone being hammered, but like the well-being festivals and yoga festivals, things like that. I love that. Engage with inspiring music and books. 
books in particular I love. Um, I'm more into audiobooks these days because I find it hard to sit down with a book, but that's a great idea. And it says garden and design. For me, I feel like that's another nature one, but we'll let her off. The last one, physical rest, the most obvious. Needed when the body is tired, lack of sleep or overworking. So the passive things you can do is sleep six, hour, six plus hours nightly. Now, I tend to think, and I'm sure I read it somewhere at one time, ADHD is actually need more sleep, which is so annoying because a lot of us find it really difficult to sleep. She says here as well, take power naps as needed. And I would recommend naps, especially if you're one of these people with insomnia, allow yourself that time for naps. Okay, the active tips, improve your body's circulation and flexibility. I wholeheartedly am on board with this. I wouldn't have been a year ago if you asked me, but after my diagnosis of ADHD, the psychiatrist or psychologist, I always get mixed up, recommended exercise and I was fuming because I hate exercise or I hated exercise. Now I am a complete convert and I just never thought I'd say that, especially at 36. You're improving your body's circulation, you're improving your flexibility. It just makes life easier. You just don't need as much physical rest anymore because you are fitter. It's honestly life-changing. It is one of the most positive things I've done since my diagnosis. Stretching, flexibility, and your circulation. Yoga is always a great one. And they have a range of classes and levels. You can take a real gentle yoga class if you need to. Massage. Absolutely love a massage. Haven't had one for ages, but I'm going to now, seeing as Dr. Jesse Metcalf has given us permission. And an ergonomic chair and desk. I can be sitting for ages and all of a sudden I'll notice I'm really uncomfortable. When we're choosing these things, I know we like to go for pretty things. I know that. Let's honour our bodies. Let's look after ourselves. We're worth it. Why would we add the overload and it does add to the overstimulation sensory overload of being uncomfortable let's invest in our own comfort when we're doing things and that's the last point on physical rest so i i found all of this so helpful and i know i've rambled on a bit in between but i hope you found it really helpful wow i really have rambled on today we're at 37 minutes already of this podcast normally it's about 25 maybe i'll have to cut it down a bit so maybe it won't be that when you listen to it but rest is so important and it makes such a difference when you have adhd we do have executive functioning problems but they are made worse by a lack of rest, by overwhelm, by burnout, by overstimulation. All the things we struggle with are only made worse by a lack of rest. And it's not just physical rest that you need. And I hope that's shown you that today. Please take these tips. Feel free to write your own. P feel free to send me some and maybe I can share some on this podcast next time. Let's fill up our cups. Let's live our best lives. We really can do it. We're all in it together. I promise you. If you are struggling right now, if you're still waiting for your diagnosis, there's hope. There's things we can do ourselves. I know you've got imposter syndrome. I know you're worrying. You might not even have it, but who cares? This can help anyone. If you are having similar symptoms to ADHD, but you haven't been officially diagnosed yet, all these things will help you. It doesn't matter whether they turn around and say, yes, you have it or no, you don't. You're having similar problems and all these tips will help you. Give them a try. Can't hurt. It can only help. If it doesn't work, that's fine. I'll have a new tip for you next week. We'll try something else. But we can make things better for ourselves and we can do it together. Don't forget to come and say hi to me over on ADHD Fest. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, 
TikTok, um, I've got a website. I'll put them all down below. Also, I almost forgot, this may or may not be available when this podcast goes up, but I am working on a worksheet for you called Burnout for Dummies. This is going to have a pre-burnout section where when you're feeling good, you can have ideas, but also I'm going to be putting my own ideas. It's going to be absolutely idiot proof. It's going to be quiz style where you choose something and it points you to a solution because that's what I feel like I need when I'm in burnout and I can't think for myself. I can't think my way out of it. I need someone else to do the thinking for me. So that will either be available below for you to get or I'll put the link for newsletter if it's not finished yet because I have ADHD guys. I might be in burnout myself and I might not be able to finish it in time for this going up because it is pre-recorded this week. So I'll leave the link to sign up for the newsletter and that's just emails. When new stuff comes out, it's not like a million emails all the time. And then I'll definitely, when I've made that, send that out to the people who've signed up to the newsletter first. Go check that out. I love you all. Hope you have the best week ever and I'll speak to you next week. Bye.